Women aren't born warriors, we become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week I'm interviewing women who through tragedy and triumph are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. Welcome back to Conversations with Warrior Women. I am your host, Liz Swadek, and these past weeks have been an ass kicker. It seems like everything that can go wrong has gone wrong, and I am in no mood to handle it well. And it's funny, because I'm at the point where if I run out of a double A battery, I'm going to start crying. And yet, I keep getting hit with more bad news. We had a death in my family. My wonderful stepfather passed away. And this week, my, my daughter had to have a colonoscopy for an ongoing stomach issue. She is 11 years old. I haven't even had a colonoscopy. Hello? On top of that, I am over the pandemic. I am over politics. I'm over everything. So today, instead, I'm going to focus on my latest podcast guest, Warrior Woman, Wonder Woman, Gwendolyn Osborne-Smith. I can't wait to talk to her. But first, have you left us a review of this podcast? Yes, please do. I would be so grateful. Podcasts go higher in the rankings, the better the reviews. So I would really appreciate it. Okay, now on to our sponsor. Oh, guys, you're going to love this new sponsor because guess what? Time to treat yourself, maybe with a little bauble or something, a little piece of jewelry. That's right. Del Pozo Jewelry has the best, most fabulous jewelry that you can buy. I love it so much. And let me just say, Tanya Del Pozo, who started this company, is one of our first podcast guests. So warrior mom and warrior woman Tanya makes these beautiful, spiritually inspired pieces with precious stones, pearls, diamonds, and opals. They're made with love. And you know what? You can tell one of my favorites that she makes is this butterfly necklace. My favorite one is a moonstone butterfly necklace with 14 karat rose gold and white diamonds on a rose gold chain. It is gorgeous. She makes these butterflies in all different sizes and different stones. They're gorgeous, this butterfly necklace. I also love her beaded stretch bracelets. I have a whole stack of them. I wear them on my arm, all the different color opals and beads. And my daughter has some too, and we even have matching ones. And then Another great thing that Tanya makes now, Del Pozo Jewelry, is a personalized mask holder with beads and your name on it. It's so cute, perfect for kids and moms who are busy and don't have time to take on and off that stupid mask. But the most exciting thing that Tanya is making is the vote necklace. Maybe you saw Michelle Obama wearing it at the Democratic National Convention. The vote necklace. Oh my gosh, it's my favorite. She'll even make it with diamonds for you if you want. So make sure you go to Instagram and follow Del Pozo Jewelry. You can order and shop right from there, or you can go to delpozojewelry.luxury. Order now. If you want to spend some more time with me, go to thewarriormoms.co. On the website, you can read articles on everything from marriage to parenting to recipes and gift guides. You can also sign up for my e-blast for advice and tips and tricks and life hacks and access the podcast there by clicking on the podcast link. All right, everybody, on with the show. The show must go on, on with the show. Gwen, I can't even take it. I'm so excited to be talking to Gwendolyn Osborne-Smith today. She is my friend. 
She's my friend and she is a powerhouse actress, singer, entrepreneur who got her start in the industry as a model and appeared on The Price is Right for 12 years. She then ventured into acting where she landed roles in Ocean Avenue, Charm, The Bold and the Beautiful, Beauty and the Baller. Gwen will also be appearing in the highly anticipated sequel, Wonder Woman 1984, which is coming to theaters October 2nd. Is this right? It is. Oh, yeah. God, I've been waiting forever. My God, I'm going to lose my mind. Okay, good. This highly anticipated sequel to the highest grossing live action film ever directed by a woman. Thank you, Patty Jenkins. Now Gwen has a new beauty line and fun project she's working on. Gwen is a warrior woman, a warrior mom, and I'm so thrilled to have her on the show. I love you, Gwen. Welcome. Thank you. Wow. That sounded really good. Well, I mean, listen, you can only improve my day. I, there's, no, there's nothing else I could take at this point. You're, you're just a beauty and a light and an improvement. That's all I can Well, do. ditto to you. I know that coming on here was going to make my day any much better than it could ever be right now. 100%. Seeing your face and hearing your jokes and your greatness Thank you for that in my life. Well, I love you. And I, you know what? I'm very excited because guess what? Everybody listening right now needs that too. We're all losing our minds. Losing my mind. Losing our minds. Okay, so how about I'm- while you were talking just now, introducing the show, I heard the door crack and I was like, really? One of you is going to come in here? I have done everything to prepare to be able to have my hour. Your talk- little piddly hour. Just one. Just one. Just one. Just one hour. I have one. I don't get it when I want to poop or pee or do my hair or anything else. Just this one hour to speak to Liz and and have some freedom. Couldn't do it. I was like, really? I'm really, really, door? Are you really going to open? And I think they were like, you know what? I feel the energy coming from her and I'm not going to do it. So they closed it back and they went back in the kitchen. So there we go. God bless them because they're safe now because before they were not. When they creaked open that door, it was not going to go their way. It was not. They felt it. They felt the eyes go. Apparently, they knew that was seriously a mistake. They were like, let me just creak it back. You know what? You know what? Never mind. (laughs) Okay, Gwen. You gorgeous, gorgeous thing. Tell me, I you know, I know you, but I want to know more about you. Um, Tell me, what did you want to be when you grew up? What was little Gwen like? And where did you grow up? Because I think a lot of people don't know where you grew up. I'm from Bath, England, which is a very small city. It is known for being one of the most beautiful cities. It gets awards all the time for being so pretty and quaint. Oh. Um, it's in the southwest of England. It's, um, it's like under Wales, um, near Bristol. So if anybody's ever been to Bristol or Swindon, it's around that vicinity. By the way, my people are from Wales, just saying we're oh. obviously from the same oh, woods. Oh, well, that's exactly why we get along. Uh-huh. Yeah. And um, when I was little, I wanted to be Wonder Woman. <laughs> and so, Of course you did. Yeah. I wanted to be Wonder Woman and I've always wanted to be a mom. Um, not quite as young a mom as it happened, <laughs> but I guess 
always being maternal and loving playing with dolls and, and I'm just loving being around my younger cousins and stuff. Becoming a mother at such a young age was not as I have now learned as traumatic for me as it is for somebody who has no idea or no maternal instincts of being a mother. Cause it was always something I wanted to be. And then I, I don't know. I just, I've known since I was born that I've got to be in the entertainment industry, whether it be singing or acting or dancing or whatever. Like I am, or I'm always, I've been a performer. And so, you know, that's what I've always ever done. And people have always said, but what's your plan B? And I'm like, well, I don't need one. <laughs> You're like, I'm not going to have one. Thank you very this much. Plan A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. So <laughs> this is it. I think, I think you should stick, to, always stick to plan A. That, that's, that's Gwen's advice. Stick to plan A. Um, now tell me something. You just mentioned you were a young mother. How young? I was 17 and pregnant oh. in Miami, Florida. Yes. Okay. That is young. It is. Okay. Um, how did you handle yeah. that? That is a, listen, and listen, that's a little bit of a derailer, even though I know you're saying you want to be a mother, you're mm-hmm. excited to be a mother. And that's awesome because that just, it does. It makes the deal sweeter. Even when you don't know what you're doing, at least you feel like right. oh, you want this. This is yeah. something I want to do. But did you want to do it at 17, Gwen? No. I did not want to do it at 17. It was one of those, it will never happen to me moments. And it did. And then it was like, right. So now this is actually reality. We're going to have to make this the best it can be. And uh, from the minute that I accepted it in my pregnancy, very early on, um, I kind of had a feeling that she was this special being. Um, I just felt like I had been given this blessing and I had created at the time, uh, create your world. Um, it became a hashtag of mine for a long time once, cause at that time we didn't have, you know, social stuff. So exactly. social there was no hashtagging going on. Back there then. were no hashtagging back then in 1995. So, um, I just, you know, in my mind, I was like, you know, we're going to create this world together. We're going to make it the best it can be. And I am going to be that woman who can still live her dreams. I am not going to make this something that I look back and I regret, or I have, you know, ill feelings towards my kid, feeling like I wasn't able to, I am going to do it. That was the choice from then. And I've done it as far as I'm concerned. You know, she's 24 turning 25 this year, which is insane. Insane. Um, and she is incredible. And I was right. The feeling was right with, you know, the, the, the blessing I felt from her as a human. Um, and you know, she's grown up as this beautiful person and she is also an actor and she's booked and she's working. She's a series regular. She's, yes, she's, her, she's graduated her, college. Give her a glow up. What's her name? Um, her name is Monique Smith. Um, Smith. Go follow yes. her on Instagram. She's wonderful. She's on Instagram. Um, and she's just, um, She's in, in a show right now that's being shot at Paramount with John Stamos. Um, it's called Big, Sh- Big Shot. So it will be out for a while now. It was scheduled to come out at uh, some point later this year or early next year. But of course, pandemic ruined oh, all those mean, plans. Yes. But okay. it's still happening. So she's doing that. So yeah, she speaks Mandarin. She took a degree and she went to Loyola Marymount University. Um, I didn't even know that she did that because, you know, so I was so involved, clearly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that's amazing like, oh, wait. wait you did a minor degree as well as a major degree oh that's amazing well done and um, yes she's just that's she's amazing. just that she's just uh an incredible human being I'm very happy and um happy with the way that things have turned out for her 
Well, I what you brought up a really an interesting thing. I think there are a lot of moms. Yeah. And I'm gonna get in big trouble for this, but I'm just gonna say it. I think there are a lot of moms who think they need to give up their dreams and their goals because they want to have a family. Yeah. And I no matter what age, right? No matter, no matter what age. What age whether, and, and by the way, whether you get pregnant unexpectedly or not, I think right. women often feel like I got to give up this thing because I really got to go in all in on this motherhood thing. And I, yeah. I can't do it. I can't do both well. And I don't believe that for a second. And the reason I don't believe it, Gwen, is exactly yeah. the reason you just said. I think people get really resentful of their kids. Yeah. Yes, give up something like that. And yes. to me, even if you keep it going on the lowest yes. center of all damn time, I mean, I'm talking about doing little tiny things yeah. to move the ball forward, fine. But don't give it up because you do. You resent your husband. You resent your kids. You mm-hmm. resent your friends who are successful. Right. You resent yeah. everyone when you don't get that for yourself. When you have a dream and you can't go for it, it is, I, I think that's a recipe for disaster. And I also, I completely agree with you. And I also think that, you know, motherhood, you know, you have to think about the stages of motherhood, you know? Yeah. Yes, it's extremely involving in every way, physically and emotionally and all of it when they are first born, you know? Um, but, you know, as it goes along, it changes. And you have to be able to, you know, go with the dynamics that are changing and fill in the areas that you can with whatever you've decided you can put in of your own. Now, if you're not a career woman, that's that's fine. But I do feel like no matter what, every individual human being has things they like to do and want to do with their own time. Even if it's and a little you, passion project, it doesn't have yes, to be a whole full yeah. thing, but, it, but yeah. you never give it up. Never, ever give it up. Give it up. And also because a lot of times those passion projects turn into things that are way bigger and better than you could have ever imagined anyway, Hello. just because you kept that small little piece of yourself alive. Yes. Um, I mean, right now, I am starting to question whether I should be one of those moms that's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to do nothing for myself because clearly I have to be the cook and the cleaner. I mean, I am lunch mom. I feel like I'm lunch mom all day. I stay behind the counter because, you know, you have two kids. It's like, they don't, they don't eat the same things. You know, they don't want to eat at the same time because their schedules are different. You know, so I'm just like, I don't know right now if this is everybody I know going through. It's like, how? I kind of feel like I had a thing going in regular life, which was already kind of difficult, right? Trying to figure out how to have that career, balance that out, having motherhood. I'm also going through a divorce, hopefully it'll be ended sometime soon. But I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like I kind of had a thing going, you know? And then this happened and then it's like, now we're back to school, which takes Uh. it to a whole nother level, homeschooling and trying to have a career. So... Every and sharing the same space, which is like really hard. Like they have a Zoom that you've got all these kids on their, their different Zooms and then you got a call or you need to work or you need to yeah. record something yeah. like this with escaping yeah. and the door creaks open and you're going to kill 10 people. It's <laughs> exhausting. <laughs> God help us. Okay, wait, I want to, but this is, this is the next question I have for you because I want, I know. Only God can help us. Right Do people still, I know. People still recognize you from the prices, right? I just want to talk about the prices, right? Just for a minute, because 
that's such like the fans of the prices right they are like loco chicken like they love the <laughs> prices right people still recognize you and what was that like being being on that show I mean, the best place to have fans for me is New Orleans. Like, that was so crazy. Like, I would go to restaurants and they'd be like, Quinlan Osborne is here from The Price is Right. You need to get her a table right now. I was like, I'm going to live here. Like, New Orleans is for husbands. Huh? That's your place. New Orleans is your place. That is clearly, like, my place. So, I'll never forget that. Like, everywhere I went, people recognized me there. Um, And here and there. I think a lot of times people don't want to say, and especially because they're living in L.A. Yes. I think a lot of people here in L.A., because there are a lot of celebrities here, much bigger, better celebrities, should I say, than a model from The Price is Right, they don't ever want to really bother you. They may know you. And you see people kind of looking at you because, you know, they're, like, trying to see where they know you from. Yeah. But they don't really ever say anything. Right. And sometimes people will go, I know I know you. And then I don't want to be like, Tell me I where know from. You know me. Tell me where I know you from. That's my favorite one. <laughs> Tell me where I know you from. Yeah. I, I like, have no uh, idea. Tell me. Yeah. What? Yeah. Exactly. Like, shut up. I have no idea where you know me from. I have no I idea. I look like your yeah. sister. I don't know. Something's going on. <laughs> exactly. Whatever. Okay. So tell me about that experience though, being on The Price is Right, because you kind of, you kind of hit some nice milestones over there. You had some milestones. I did. 12 and a half years. Um, it was a long time and, you know, it was a lot of changes that went on in that time. Um, good and bad, you know, it's like, um, my major thing of being on there was that it was a very stable, steady job. Um, being a mother, uh, working with Bob Barker at first, my schedule was so easy. It was Monday through when no Monday through Thursday. Monday was our longest day, and that was the only day I needed to worry about whether to get pickup from school from another mom to help me out. Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, it was from twelve to three, and I was out of there like amazing, oh, amazing. you know. So that was great. When Drew came on board, Drew Carey, um, oh, you the they first, changed like, it. African-American uh, Price is Right girl? Were you the first? Or were you the first not, pregnant girl? I'm the first pregnant ever model. Ever. Price, right? Black, ever. white, whatever. Okay. Um, and um, I am not. I'm the longest running woman of color on okay. a game show. Okay. On, a, on a daytime game show, I'm the longest running woman of color. Um, no, there are plenty of other black girls that have been on there um, that... <laughs> definitely should be recognized. And, uh, you know, Kathleen, who was on Friday, she was, you know, she's known in the black community, Mrs. Johnson, I think they call her, because she was in Friday in the movie and she's like holding a hose and she bends over and it was like, oh, excuse me, Kat. (laughs) Okay, gotcha. You know, there's Claudia Jordan and I got to give her props because she is so sweet. Claudia Jordan was on there? Claudia Jordan was on there. Yeah. But I didn't know she was from there. Okay. I got you. Super supportive woman in my life. Like from then, back then until today, like super supportive. Lanisha Cole, um, Fire Dawson. um, She's still a great friend of mine. Um, So there's, you know, there's plenty of black women on there that did really well. Um, Oh God, there's a call coming in. Sorry. Of course there's a call coming. Of course. Okay. Um, So um, what else? Okay. So, so you, when you, I got so pregnant, you, the milestone was, you were, yeah, you, yeah. Tell yes, us, when us, I got was pregnant, that was the, that was the biggest milestone for the prices, right? Because it was right when Drew came in. So I literally met him and was just like, Hey, I'm Gwendolyn and I'm pregnant. <laughs> so I oh, I'm like, sure he loved that. <laughs> he did, but I didn't know. I just wanted to be really forthright and just let him know this is the situation. So if you don't want to get to know me anymore, if it's the end for you, like, good, it was nice to meet you. I'll be on my way. Did you but, think you'd um, get fired? 
well, up until that point, you, you just got let go. You didn't really get fired. You just didn't get rehired on your next time, yeah, well, you know? Interesting. So yeah. it was a well-known thing up until that point that once you started to show, you weren't going to be on there anymore. Once you started to show, you're not going to be on the show. Um, but a bump. And so I just didn't know how he was going to react to it. And uh, he was actually really receptive and sweet and open and was like, this is perfect because I want to show how different I am. Let's make this, you know, like the next phase of the price is right. Um, and you, we, let's do this together. So Amazing. he was like, you know, let's, let's talk about it every time and let's make sure people know where you're at in your pregnancy. And then, so then Malloy, who is my second child, um, came along and everybody knew who Malloy was and he, you know, became part of the prices. Right. And then after that, I got pregnant again with London and I was like, are you guys okay with me doing this again? Cause mm, I already did it once, but you know me, gotta just push it. And so, <laughs> so I, I did it. And then literally every model after that has had a baby on the show. Rachel had her baby. Um, Manuela's oh, had a baby. Amber's had a baby. That's and they've all been able to go have their babies and, and then come back, you know? And so it's just absolutely shown the empowerment of what one woman can do and the changes that she can make. So that's been a great milestone for me in my life to, to, to know what I can accomplish, you know? So, yeah. You paved the way like that. That's super yeah. cool because you're right. Up until then, you would never think that a Price is Right model would be like walking around pregnant, that your brain couldn't even conceive of that. But to normalize that and be like, yes. no, and, and God bless Drew for doing that. That's really great. Yes. Like that's yes. an amazing thing. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, let's talk about Wonder Woman because I'm literally dying. I, the, what I die the most about is when I went to go see that movie with my daughter and I specifically wanted to go with her, sit as close as possible and see this movie. Aww. When I went to go see it with her, I was like, literally, I couldn't sit back in my chair. I was leaning towards the screen like I was in the movie. And it was so thrilling to see women this powerful and this, like, I mean, just the juiciness of that, the power of these women, it just knocked me out. I loved it. I loved the story. I loved the whole thing. So the fact that you are going to be in this sequel, I'm literally double dog dying. So how, I'm sure every woman in America would like to be in Wonder Woman, the sequel. So how in the hell did you get your butt in that movie? What did you do? Uh, let's also not forget how the intelligence is shown, right? And let's yeah. show like, let's remember how it was about the women and how the man, Chris Pine in it, he, had, he was kind of being told like, you know, well, yeah. listen, this is how things go. So if you want to be a part of it, that's great. But otherwise I don't really need you for much, you know? <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. You're like a yeah. showpiece. And I'm, I got yeah, some- Yeah, you know, and unless I really just need to, you know, reproduce another human, I don't really know what you're here for, you know? Totally, <laughs> totally. That's hysterical. Um, so no, how was your question? How did yes, I get- how, Yeah, so I, because I think you told me something about how you met Patty Jenkins, yes. right? Yes. Um, it was not your regular audition, you know, although I auditioned my butt off all the time. That's literally my job is auditioning all the time. That's as an actor, that's what they say. Yes. So I, I was, you know, it's connected to actual real life, um, a real life wonder woman in my life, whose name is Fauna Hodel. Um, I am best friends with her eldest daughter. She has two daughters. Um, she has an incredible story about her life, which you can go and find. She ended up actually getting her book story made into a miniseries movie, which was picked up by Patty Jenkins and put on TNT. 
And that was called I Am The Night. Um, In the middle of her, um, the the production actually getting started, unfortunately, she passed away from cancer. And, um, you know, it was just the saddest thing ever. And uh, we're still, you know, processing that because it was only literally two years ago. Mm. Um, Her daughters and I, you know, we put together this celebration of life for her. And we didn't call it a funeral. So I knew Patty Jenkins was going to be at this celebration of life to send off Fauna with much love. And I was so nervous about it because I knew I just wanted to thank her for being the producer that shows her story. I'm like, and you are the producer of Wonder Woman. Like, that is amazing, you know? And I had this whole thing I was going to say to her, but then when I was there, I couldn't say anything. I was, you know, obviously it was a, a sad moment. It was, you know, we were engulfed in emotion and it was just like, it just didn't seem appropriate, you know? But before I left, Patty Jenkins was like, um, hi, Gwendolyn. She taps me on the shoulder. She's like, I've heard so much about you um, from Fauna's daughters, Yvette and Raksha. And uh, I just was wondering if you'd be one of my Amazons in my next movie. Just like that. And I was like, <laughs> I mean, I would have been like, yes. Should I come now with you? Are you taking me now? Like, like, what's happening? Yes. Amazing. What do you need me to do? Do you want me to do a couple cartwheels for you right now? Like, yes, I'm sure yes. Fauna will. And I'm pretty sure she's blessing me in her death with this. Like, well, what? 100%. I had to work my butt off. I had to actually like do an audition for this, the um, director of the stunts, um, a couple times. And I, and the auditions were like brutal, you know, three hours on three different horses, you know, two different styles of riding. I had to, you know, run up a wall on a harness and act like I'd never done that shit before and flip over and like, you know, just do things that I would have never imagined. Like I could only think to myself, Gwendolyn, you can do this and then just do it, you know? So, so many moments like that. Um, the 10th one is baby Wonder Woman. Cause she really, she's, she's, she's competing against us. And that's all I can say. <laughs> okay. And, but yeah. you, you were telling me that when you went to go film this thing, I mean, you already just said, just even the auditions, you were having to flip over, get on a horse, do all these crazy. But when you got there, they even stepped it up more. So tell me a little bit about all the physical things. I mean, well, yeah, because I mean, I guess, all, you know, but you're doing it. The audition could only go so far, right? But reality was uh, about 40 feet higher <laughs> when I got on set. So nobody had ever asked me, was I scared of heights? <laughs> hmm. So the answer would have been yes. But I'm glad they didn't because maybe I would have not been there, you know, but I had to literally go on set and, and, and see this massive thing, which you can see in the trailer as jumping on these massive poles uh, and get over the biggest fear of my life, which is heights. And I, I just got up there and did it. And honestly, being a mother, coming back to being a mother was what got me through. I had to imagine for myself, you know, I had been through kind of a therapy with this at a resort called Miraval. Uh, and I had to imagine what it was that would really push me to that edge to do something that disturbs my body so much that I would push it aside and still do it. And that is saving my children. So I'm literally so high in the sky. I'm, I'm about three or four stories up to apartment buildings high. And I'm just imagining that my children need me. I've got to get through this. I can see all the treetops in front of me. And I'm just like, I've got to go save them. You know, you have no choice. You're going to do it. 
And so that was it. And that first jump was the hardest. I'm in a harness, you know, but still, you know, the the point was also to not feel like you're in a harness, you know? So they want it to seem natural. Like you right, they don't want you it. holding on to the harness. Like you're like terrified. No, you, out of your cannot, you cannot hold on to the harness because that's dangerous for your hands. You know, you've got to just look like there's no harness there, you know? So I did it. And then it was like a week of training with just doing that. So, you know, it was a week of just torture, really. <laughs> just leaping without a net, just leaping into the sky. Yeah. I mean, every day got a little better, but you know, no matter what, your fear, and I have to apply this to every part of my life, your fears never completely go away, but you have to learn how to work through them in order to get to the other side. You know, you just do. You cannot let them stop you from what's on the other side of that fear. You know, you've got to work through them and whatever it is you need to do for yourself, you've got to figure that out because everybody's different and everybody has ways of, of how they, you know, feel good. So once you get through them, I'm not telling you to drink a whole bottle of anything. <laughs> I mean, that's what I would do, Gwen. <laughs> I'd be like, you want me to jump off this platform? It's three stories high. Where's the Pinot Grigio? That's what I'm asking you. <laughs> Where is it? Where's my rosé? I mean, you know. Have a double <laughs> martini because yeah. that would make me maybe jump. Maybe that would maybe, help. Right. I mean, whatever it takes. You've got to get through the fears to get to the other side. No, it's so true. It's so true. Okay. So you're currently talk about facing your fears and you mentioned yes. this a little bit. So since you mentioned it, I feel like I can talk about it. Yeah. Um, you are currently going through a divorce yep. um, in the middle of COVID, which is so oh my God. ridiculous. Um, <laughs> no. but I kind of, all the courts are closed. I mean, I don't even know what, I don't even know. Um, but I kind of want to say, I want to know from you, like other people are going through this too, obviously. And what yeah. is that, what is going through a divorce taught you? And what would you tell your younger self based on what you know now? Oh, that's a good one. Um, what has going through COVID taught me? No, going through a divorce. Going through a divorce through co- with COVID as well, maybe. Um, it has taught me that I have way more resilience than I ever imagined. Um, I've actually just started my new LLC company. is called Grit and Grat, and that stands for Grit and Gratitude. Um, I love that. Yes, thank you. And so I, you know, that is going to be the umbrella of of the company's name for all of the things I have going on and figuring it out as I go. um, You know, that at the end of the day, I have to be in love with me first. Um, And I'm I'm enjoying all the things I'm finding out about myself. Um, As it goes along, it's like uh, I find a new thing and I'm like, okay, so, and I like doing this and I like doing that. And now it's about trying to figure out how to fit in all the things that I like to do and and discover um, as well as balancing being a mother and conveying all of those likes of myself to them. Recognizing that, that when I was in this marriage that, you know, I thought was this perfect situation, you know, that was the Disney idea, um, that I was not giving this magic that I had inside of me to my children. I was actually doing a disservice. So they've learned way more about me as, as I've learned more about myself uh, during this time. And I'm, I'm just very grateful for that. I'm, I'm very grateful that 
I'm able to continue looking into my own magic and sharing my magic with them. Well, I think that's amazing. And you know what? I do think, you know what, when you go through a divorce, as painful as it is, and it's it's painful for the kids, it's painful for the adults involved. But I do think that when, you know, it really is the end, you know, there's a lot you learn from that, that ending. Yeah. And you know, you it's it's you want it to be amicable, amicable, you want it to be all about love and light, but sometimes it's not. And you know what? Kids see, you know, kind of what's going on, but all you really can control, obviously, is yourself and your reaction yeah. and how you act. Yeah. And you know if you're keeping your side of the street clean. But it's great yes. that you are, you know, learning all this is a time of learning about you and you're kind of turning it around to be more of like a self-evolution than like, mm-hmm. oh my God, it's coming to an end. What am I gonna do? You know, which right. I no. of course, probably that's what we all feel in the beginning, right? If if yeah. you're going through that. But I'm glad that you've gotten to that level. Thank you. I mean, it's it's definitely been like a, the resurgence of Gwendolyn um, and 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 redefining who I am, um, you know, and and just making sure that I'm being true to myself. And sometimes it's not happy. Sometimes it's not great. Sometimes it's shitty, and it feels like shit, you know. But honoring that that happens, and then being like, okay, I honored that, and. And now I can get through it. And now I feel okay about feeling good again, you know? And I, you know, that's also another path of life, which I don't think I was really allowing myself to have, you know, before a divorce, I was feeling like I had to just be happy all the time. And you don't, you know, sometimes you're not, you're a human being. You have to allow, you know, the bad and the good. Absolutely. And you know what? People may, I just realized this is that you were on my conversations about race. My first conversations, I'm going to do more. Um, but mm-hmm. people may know you from that because we had this great um, conversation with Natasha Hemingway and you, and it was an honest conversation about race. And you just blew my mind on that call because, you know, oh. Natasha was talking about the KKK and you were giving her so much support mm-hmm. during that during that Zoom. And then mm-hmm. to learn like your story too. And I want to talk a little bit about that, but I mean, this Black Lives Matter <laughs> movement is is almost now becoming like just the state of the nation. Like it's not going yeah. anywhere. I think people are finally realizing, oh, this is actually not going anywhere. This was not like a no. like a five week moment. Um, no. And and people are now realizing this is here to stay, and that big changes have. Yes. I mean, at least I've realized that big tra- changes have to happen. But tell me, yes. what has what was what has been your experience? of race and growing up because you had a kind of a different background. You come from a different place. And, and so you had a kind of a different story. So what's been your experience? Well, I mean, my mother is Jamaican. My father is British and Irish. I um, grew up mostly in Bath, England, but I did come to Miami for three years of my childhood. Um, And yes, I mean, I, I was, I was spat on by a I was actually spat on one time by a dark-skinned black girl. So a lot of my issues have been more about colorism than they have than they have felt like or been obviously about black and white. Um, I had to really learn myself within the Black Lives Matter movement that you know there there is a distinction of of black Americans and how people are looked at differently here. I've had to learn that because my culture was English, you know. Um, 
And it's a very, not to say that, that historically, you know, England isn't racist. We know it is because, hi, Meghan and Harry have been like, you know what? Get lost, you guys. We're going somewhere else. 100%. Um, because of it over there. Um, it's just a different type of racism over there. It's much more quiet. I mean, it's just much more closed mouth, which is, is the way that the British do it. Um, whereas over here, it's been more obvious and it's been more, um, way more brutal, um, so much more hurtful, you know, what Natasha was was saying and how she was dealing with the KKK. Like that was just so disturbing to me that she had a personal experience with that, uh, you know, and so saddening that that was an, an impression on her life at such a young age that could put so much fear in her and so much hatred. I mean, you could understand from the story she had of seeing, you know, KKK members around her house burning crosses, how much that could make you say, well, I don't like those type of people. And how do you as a child then differentiate as you're growing up, who's a good white person and who's a bad white person? I mean, that you know? is 100% right. I, I, I don't even know what you think. When you think there's a whole race of people who are potentially out to get you, how do you even walk around feeling safe? I, I don't even understand. Like I, I, when she was talking like that, it really illuminated to me what the ongoing issues are, even just hearing how she had to grow yeah. up and what her mother had yeah. to tell her so yeah. that she could be safe, you know? Yes, yeah. right. To feel like she could still continue on, be successful, go to school, go to college, achieve all of the things that she has achieved. I mean, um, you know, you don't, like I said, you don't ever know what anybody's path is like until you hear things like that and you're like, whoa, yeah, I admire you. brought you. up your own story about the, when that cop pulled a gun on you and I was like, yes. you got to be kidding me. Yes, I mean, yes. I, I don't, I'm telling you right now, there are no white people with these stories. We don't have right. these stories. We just don't have them. It's so, definitely not as common, for sure. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, it's just not. You know, right. so like when, right. you, when you just brought that up and said, oh no, I, I had a cop pull a gun on me, and you were, mm-hmm. were you pregnant? I can't even remember what you No, said. I was, I was taking Monique, uh, you know, so it was in the nineties in Miami and taking Monique out for a ride. You know how, when you're their babies, the only way you can get them to sleep is to have, take them on a ride. So yeah. it was late at night. She wouldn't sleep, put her in the car. You know, at the time I had a boyfriend who was a black six foot five guy, but you know, and here's me feeling the need to tell you right now. Oh, he's gentle. He's nothing, you know, had a master's degree. Why do I feel the need to tell you? Like, you know, I shouldn't have to. Yeah. But because of the way that the cop pulled me over and was talking to me, he got out of the car and that's when the cop decided to take out the gun. And I was like, just, just get back in the car, get back in the car. Oh my God. Um, yeah. And it's like, it, it could have gone completely the other way. I mean, at the end of the day, the cop was a small guy and he felt intimidated so his he reached for his gun you know and it, it it's just awful that that that's really, what happens a lot of the time a lot of the time to me right? they're intimidated you know, and they reach for their guns their guns they're not recognizing how about not doing training how yeah about like it, that's training. not professional it's not a professional type of behavior to you know run real off of your insecurities you know um you know, you're not in any danger. And then because you, you did something and then you get away with it. So then it just feels like life doesn't, certain lives don't matter because then there's no justice for it. So then why does it ever matter? You know, like they can do it and continue doing it. And that's why there's been generations of police doing that. And they're still doing it. I mean, we just heard about Wisconsin. I mean, they're still doing it. It it really blows my mind that we're 
scale, like how many examples do we need thrown in our faces before we say, maybe cops should not be shooting a black man yeah. back. Yes. In the back. In the back. He's not even facing you. What, could, what fucking level of danger are you on if somebody has their back towards you? I mean, come on now. Like yeah, it's just become on. insane. I just can't even take it anymore. Um, but but tell well, me, how has how has it changed the way? Because you have two black sons. Uh, yes. Well, I have no. No, you have one black son. Oh no, you have a yes. stepson and well, okay, I have two black sons. And yeah. E- either way, I mean, yeah. how, how does that change how you parent them? Has any has it has it changed like the Black Lives Matter movement, or have you always kind of thought about it, or has this kind of made you think in a deeper way, like this whole movement? Oh, it's definitely made me, you know, thinking it, I've, I've had to become way more woke than I was before. You know, um, I've had to educate myself so much more. Um, I didn't realize how much I didn't know. Um, I had to learn about, you know, amendments and constitution and and where they come from and how long they've been around and the why, because if we're going to change it, we have to historically know, you know, where it comes from to change it. Um, if we keep just trying to deal with the present time, we're never going to get to the, you know, the depth of it. Um, I'm raising money. Um, I was, I've always been very aware of, of, you know, making sure that wherever she's going to school, that there's a definitely diversity there. That's been a big deal for me all the time raising her. Um, and I've been there for, I mean, I've never, I've never really been fearful raising her. Um, I guess because she's a girl. Um, and, uh, I've just always been supportive with her. It was more about the fact that marketing wise, there's nothing for her to look at and say, Oh, that's a beautiful woman who looks like me. Let me be like her. Everything was, you know, straight hair Barbie. And, and, you know, now look, everybody likes big bums because people are into looking like black women who have nice big bums naturally and tiny little waists. Right. But it's like that and that's great that that's looked at as a, as a beautiful thing now in some ways, but in other ways, it's like, oh, is it real? Is it a car- caricature? And how far do we go with that? So there's right. that issue, which I have to now deal with with my seven-year-old little girl. But going back to Monique, um, I had to support her with her hair. You know, um, we know that there's, you know, since, you know, this has been out and about about hair, um, you know, people have had to become more aware of the fact that guess what? The hair products for black girls are in the corner of the store and there's only two shelves of shit for us, you know, or you don't have it in your area and you have to go to another area to get it. So you got to drive just to take care of your hair every day, you know? And so I've always had to be very supportive of her with her hair and I'm mixed. So my hair isn't like her hair, but I've still had to make sure she knows, Hey, that doesn't mean my hair is more beautiful than yours. Like you just have a beautiful type of hair. And so do I, so we are going to do that. And so I've always just had to raise her no matter what, being aware of the fact that there isn't images out there showing her how beautiful she is and, and instilling that confidence from home. So that with her, it was that with Malloy, there is a fear and I have had to get over the protection side of, of knowledge. So as I feel like naturally as a, as a parent or as a mother, we want to protect our kids from like the, the, the badness, this stuff, you know, people getting killed because they're black. Like you're like, I don't really, they don't need to know about that. Like they don't, we don't need to have the news on. They don't need to see what's really going on. Guess what? When you got a little boy who is a black boy who just is looked at by police officers as just another black boy and they don't care. And there is like, as we've been saying, no justice for their behavior against these children. 
I have to tell him, dude, you cannot just go out and ride your bike and think that it's okay. You know, I need you to know this is what could happen. Now, if you get called over by a police officer who's driving while you're riding your bike, this is how you have to handle it. If you were in a car with your friends one day and this, ha- this is how you have to handle it. With my stepson, we had to, you know, he's 24 now, but we had to go through the hole when he's first learning how to drive, when he's in friends' cars we were driving. You are going to be, you know, called out way more than they are. So it's, it's, it's definitely a different keeping way of parenting. Safe. Keeping him safe. And it, it's, such an, it's such an unfortunate thing, but you know what? You, you have to keep your baby safe. So you have to have that conversation until things change. You do. You have to have that conversation. And I've, I've had that conversation with my kids. And I've said, listen, if you're in the car and that you've got a black friend in the car, you're going to have to go a lot further. You're going to mm-hmm. have to make sure that mm-hmm. nothing happens and you get in that cop's face and you yeah. say it because guess what? Yeah. When you get in his face, it's going to be fine. So right. you get in his face and yeah. you say no. Right. And you, you use your voice if you see something yeah. like that happening because yes. that's not okay. And that's what needs to be spread amongst every other you know, family that's not black with friends that are black. And every mother needs to talk to their kids about that. Like that conversation needs to happen in, in every white home. You know, if you are not racist, you are anti-racist and that this is how we're going to handle it moving forward. Yeah. Um, I just Absolutely. really like, I saw when they see us, I didn't think it was appropriate for Malloy. He's only 12 now, but I did explain to him and it, through tears, it was just, it was just heart wrenching for me. And I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, oh but when my they God, see us, I had to pause it. So oh. I could- literally get through it. I had to take two breaks because it was killing yes. me. You me just too. can't even believe that these kids are even, now they're men, you can't even believe that what that they are walking around. Like the all generational the pain through. as well. The fact that Ava DuVernay did it with, well, she showed the generational pain and an ignorance because the father of one of them had been in jail. So he was, and also probably unnecessarily. Right. So he was fearful for his own life and what was going right. to happen to him. And then he wouldn't be there for his son. So he's telling his son information that's going to harm his life now and put him behind bars too. You know, it's like this, it's like a, it's the system, right? So that's the systemic racism and, you know, it just keeps them, keeps them small and, and, and ignorant. And that's kind of like where they want them to stay so that they can keep them in this situation. And that's what needs to change. Um, it was just awful to see, you know, the, the little boy in there that ended up going uh, with his friend to the to the police station because he didn't uh, want his friend to go alone. And then he ends up in trouble now. And I'm like, that would be my son. My son is the empathetic, loving child that would just go with his friend. Me too. Like, me too. You know, I got that son too. And I really looked at that and said, oh my God, like, you know, the fact that they could take that as far as they did when that kid wasn't even a suspect and how they right. built this fucking imaginary case Right. It was so sick and twisted, but yeah, it happens all the time. All the time. It happens all the time that they're all All the time people, this mass incarceration, what's going on. It's happening all the time. And you just don't, you don't want to believe it, but it's happening all the time. All the time. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, being, so I'm just, I'm continuing to educate myself. I'm continuing to be more protective. I'm now on the board at the school um, with diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice. Um, I'm active with that. Um, I'm open to questions. I'm open to talking to people with uncomfortable stuff and let's, you know, continue and just move forward and make this better because 
I come from complete diversity in my own family, you know, and, you know, I will sit down and braid up some hair better than anybody, any dark skinned black woman, you know, you know what I mean? Like it didn't ever matter to me. You know, I know how to be in the white, a white place and the black, a black place because I can go anywhere, you know? And I think that that should be how everybody should feel. You should feel comfortable to be and go everywhere. And I want the world to get there. I'm going to believe that it can happen. If it doesn't in my lifetime, I want to be a part of helping you get there. I, oh, so well said. And I want that too. I really want that. Um, tell me Gwen, what is next for you? Cause you talked a little bit about grit and grat, which I love. That's such a great name and really does describe you. Um, what are you working on? Like, what are you, what's, what's coming next for you? Well, I have a single out right now because I sing. Yeah, funny how time flies. Um, we just made the music video. So, you know, I am a one woman, like financially taking care of by myself into my businesses person. It's taking longer because of that because I've got to be careful. You know, I've got kids to raise um, and I want to be okay for a long time in life. Um, so, you know, being, learning how to be the best type of entrepreneur is what I'm doing right now. Um, I have a facial oil that, you know, was on the market. Then I had to take it off because I got sued. You know, Estee Lauder was like, we have something similar to you. I'm like, really? Because I checked everything and I'm still checking and you don't, but you know what? It's okay. I'm going to get, you know, the request to be sued by anybody. Let it be Estee Lauder. Clearly I'm on a good thing here. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So clearly you're um, on something, but you're, but you're, so I, you put it back out there under I put it back up. The okay. name of it is Loma leak okay. and it is going to be launching sometime around the same time as wonder woman comes into theaters at October Woo! 2nd. Um, yeah. So there's that. And then I'm actually now going to be working on my own podcast inspired by yes! you. Yeah. I'm very, so I have, well, you already have tea with Gwen. So I guess. On tea with Gwen, so tea with Gwen is on Instagram. I love that. I love your show. Yes. I have to go on. That was so fun. Um, but you, yes, you're launching a podcast. Woo! Yeah. So yes. we can all catch me soon. Dinner. I don't know because I'm in the beginning stages of uh, you know creating it, making it, as you know the process. So I can't get a date of when that's happening, but it's happening, and I'm just I'm really excited. All of these different avenues that have been happening and trying to figure out how to do it all. <laughs> yes. And if anybody's interested in starting a podcast, please DM me because I've got the best lady. I hooked Miss Gwen up with Becky. She's amazing. Yes. She me. And yes. I sometimes work with her on people's content, but she, I, she really makes it the most unscary thing in the world. Just soup to yeah. gets you up and going and you almost can't believe it. Like this is like now my, I think 23rd episode, I think it is. <laughs> and I am like, I can't believe it. So it really is exciting. And I'm really glad you're going to jump into this space because I think it's a really great place for you and a natural kind of extension of what you're already doing. And I think you'd be yeah. Yes. So I'm excited for you. Yay. Thank you. All right. We're on to the speed round, Gwen. It's my favorite time. Okay. What is your cocktail of choice? Um, you saw me drinking it. Rum and Coke. <laughs> <laughs> Rum and Coke. Oh my gosh. I think that's, that's the Jamaican in me. <laughs> I, that might be the first Lady answering rum and coke. That might be the first. Okay. And what what is your mantra or quote that you live by? Um, I would say create your world. Yeah, I feel like that is your I think that is your mantra. Yeah. Create your yeah. world. Okay. Um, tell me a self-care tip, something easy that we can do. I mean, you're a beauty and I you do really great. I mean, you your workout things on Instagram, by the way, inspire me to get my 
fat ass up and working. So <laughs> keep posting those. That's helping me. One. Um, okay. Number two. So tell us like a self-care tip, something we can do uh, yeah. or like something you believe in doing to, for like a little self-care thing. Um, so I just think that you should always take some time to check in with yourself every day. And maybe that might just be sitting still and breathing for five minutes and just only concentrating on your breathing. You know, um, you can also do guided meditations that you can find on YouTube so easily, um, anywhere. I, I particularly like women's voices. Um, sometimes the men's voices creep me out a bit. So, um, (laughs) it's great, you know, and just do some, something that's for your body to be connected, your head, your, your mind, your body, and your soul to just be connected once a day. Awesome. Okay. What makes you feel unstoppable? Ooh, um, hmm. feeling strong, feeling strong makes me feel unstoppable. Feeling good in my body um, and physically and mentally um, makes me just walk around with a, with a pep in my step. Yeah. You're a badass. I love you to death. Um, who do you most <laughs> admire? Ooh, um, God, that's a hard one. I'm going to have to say Michelle Obama. Yes. I'm going to have to say Michelle Obama. Yes. That woman does it all. I oh mean, God, I it is a dream of mine for her to be on my podcast. Oh, and if you get to her first, just send her over to me next. I, I will. And same, because I just, Ugh. she's actually like the, re- she was the person that came into my mind that inspired me to go, you know what? I want to find out how she does all her shit. Like, how oh. does she do that? And, and look so graceful every day. Like, I mean, and when she talks, you feel her words. Uh-huh. She's so genuine. Oh, so genuine. I was just going to say that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I love that, you know, I love the love she shares with her husband. It feels real. It doesn't feel fake. It doesn't feel pushed. I mean, can we talk about what's going on with dude trying to catch his wife's hand and she's like no and she like pulls her Birkin bag out the way like I'm not touching your nasty hand it's called no hell no Mm -hmm. hell no you know and then the love that Michelle Obama with her husband has and the the love he shares towards her like the admiration they have for each other as just human beings they allow their children to be children and grow and make mistakes and then they love them again it's like it's real it's beautiful and then she's just so intelligent they're professional. And, and she cares. I love them. What's exciting you the most right now? Getting divorced. <laughs> <laughs> you mean having it be final is what you really Yes. Mean. Yes. Looking forward to the finalization of divorce and being free to become the amazing woman that I know that I already am inside and being able to share my purpose of, of learning about other wonder women and sharing all of the wonder women together. I'm already starting that with tea with Gwen. You are one of them because you were on there, but learning like that we are here for each other and we can make each other better and, and we can do it, Like we can get through this. So that's what's exciting to me. I mean, I love you, Gwen. Thank you so much for coming on today. As usual, you made my day. You made my day. You made me feel so good. You are a wonder woman. So thank you for coming on today. Thank you very, very much. I've enjoyed every moment. I love you. Okay, everybody. Thank you for joining me today. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And if you enjoyed the show, leave us a review. This is Conversations with Warrior Women Podcast with me, Liz Swadek. Remember, every woman has a story. You just need to ask her. Until next time. Bye, Wonder Women.
Bye.